Welcome to another episode of Rad Talk with Tracy. I'm your host, Tracy Poffenroth Prado. This podcast is all about reactive attachment disorder, or RAD. I'm going to be talking with parents who will be sharing their experiences of what it's like raising a child with RAD. It gets raw and it gets real. I'm also going to be talking with experts from different areas who will be sharing information about RAD, resources, and support. I'm glad you're here. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Well, I have to tell you, each week, I feel like I have the best guest on the podcast to interview, and that's exactly how I feel again today. I really want you to meet my next guest, Dr. Michelle Coleman. Dr. Coleman is the founder and CEO of the Attachment Healing Center in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and she's worked in the field of foster care and adoption all of her life. She's a therapist and a counselor. She's an adoptive mom and a rad mom, and she founded her own attachment healing center. Dr. Coleman received her PhD from UNM, the University of New Mexico in 2016, and is also a graduate of Dr. Dan Siegel's interpersonal neurobiology certification program. And she used this knowledge to develop the model of treatment used for healing attachment issues at the attachment healing center. And that's called healing in resonance at the attachment healing center. They believe effective reactive attachment disorder treatment exists, that treatment is possible and they know about them. They can help your family recover and they can help your child or children get past this. So without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Michelle Coleman. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's great to have you here. And, um, I know we have a lot to talk about because you have a, a, a story and a personal story with adoption and reactive attachment disorder. And then you pursued this as your work and, uh, and then have opened this attachment center. Yes. Are you willing or open to sharing about your, your early days and as an adoptive rad parent? <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm writing my book now, and um, I had originally started it with the problem, right, so that everybody's on the same page. And I went to, you know, journals and articles to pull up, you know, what people are saying about how hard it is to help our kids. And no, <laughs> I was like, Michelle, you have a perfect story that explains how hard this is. And that was my first attempt before I became a um, licensed marriage and family therapist, was my first attempt at trying to adopt. We had, my husband and I had a birth child, a daughter, and uh, I think she was about uh, six at the time. And I was adopted and formally adopted by my uh, great aunt, but I had moved through several family members before they decided on her. I had a stint in what I call informal foster care because in the black community, people just show up to take care of one another. So I stayed with friends of the family for a year. I didn't know them, they were strangers, but they taught me what a healthy family system looks like. So I felt this need to give back, mm. right? I'm here today because all those people showed up in my life to help me. Right. So he was okay. We adopted this three-year-old who turned four, like within a couple of months, three. How hard can a three-year-old be? Right, exactly. How hard? 
<laughs> so <laughs> I, I, I don't know the, he was, uh, was, he was adopted out of, we attempted the adoption out of Washington, DC. So he had been what they called then an, a border baby. So his mother went to the hospital, delivered and then left. Oh, so he was in the hospital for like nine months, no primary caregiver staff, right? Just he was in the hospital for nine months. Right. Wow. Before they could find a placement for him. This is Washington, DC. I guess they didn't do foster care like we do out here. So I was curious why he'd been in one foster home. How come they didn't adopt him? They got him at nine months of age. She wouldn't tell me, oh, too many kids. We had to. And then he had had a failed adoption at three years old. He'd already had a failed adoption. And that adoptive mom said, you don't want to do this. He is way too hard. Really? You know, she was at the meeting and exactly. So my husband and I look at one another like, (laughs) she doesn't know how good we are at parenting. Oh, (laughs) you're feeling me, right? I'm feeling you. (laughs) (laughs) So we get this kid despite all the warning signs and he is a holy terror. Now with my husband, charming, loving, I'm trying to tell my husband how he's wearing me down. And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, it must be you. You're not giving him, you know, all the opportunities. Are you seeing him? He's not our daughter, but he, you know, you could, he's a boy and boys are a little bit different. Like all of these excuses mm-hmm. until one morning he went to work late and we called him Stephen. And Stephen came out and started his aggression with me, defiance. I mean, he would, it was like a whole other personality would show up. And then my husband came out of the bedroom and Stephen's face just dropped. His eyes got big. His mouth fell open like, oh no, I'm caught. Wow. And my husband apologized. Uh, I am so sorry. I had no idea this is what Uh. you were doing. And isn't that what friends and family who always tell us, oh, you just need to do this. Oh, you just need to do that. Absolutely. If you were living with it, you'd have a different perspective. Right. And thank goodness for that moment for you. Yes. Thank goodness. Yeah. 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 So that experience let me know, and there's way more in the book, but that let me know I need help. I don't know how to help children who don't trust adults. Mm-hmm. And that started the journey. Right. Right. Wow. What a, yeah, what a wake up call too. thinking. And like you say, how you know, how hard could it be? There are three. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Our son was two and a half and wow. Yeah, it is possible. It is possible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And the treatments that are out there, Tracy, they don't even begin to come close to, I mean, it just brings me to tears to come close to what we're experiencing. And then they make us the problem. Yeah. They make us the problem. Oh, that's still today, isn't it? After all this time, would you still say that's yes. true today? Yeah, absolutely. I do. We get, we get families, parents all the time that are just like, oh, thank you. Mm-hmm. There are agencies in Albuquerque that only see the child. Yeah. Reactive attachment. Attachment is in a relationship disorder. You need the caregiver in session with that. That kiddo could be lying to you, creating stories, having a blast, and you have no idea. And then they call CYFD. Right. Right, because the kid makes up some story. Mm -hmm. They haven't checked it out. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And that starts a whole bigger problem. Huge, exactly. big, big, big yeah. problem. Unfortunately, Tracy, it is a problem still today. And why do you think that is, Dr. Coleman? Why, why are we still so behind the eight ball? That's a really good question. Can I just ponder that one a moment? I please. Don't... Yeah, please. It is. It's a very big loaded question. All right. So if I, A, we still have our own wounding. I think a lot of us coming out of our childhood, our parents raised us the way they were raised. They were raised the way they were raised, like, you know, generations upon generations back. And so there's a lot of trauma in the family that might feel too hard to go after. So I know when I was in my master's program, this is what I mean by that. When I was in my master's program, we had a guest uh, speaker, guest faculty member come in. This is back in Virginia. And she said, I know most of you went in to this field to become counselors, to heal your own wounding. She said, the problem is once you got in school, you forgot why you came here. She said, I'm asking you to remember, you came here to heal. Focus on yourself first before you go out to help others. And so I think it's still a problem because as clinicians, counselors, social workers, we're not doing our personal work. We're not called to do our personal work. And so to go down in someone else's well, right, when you haven't been down in your own well, way too scary. You know, it makes me think of that Brene Brown empathy right. that she has. Yeah. Right? We've got to go do our deep work first. Mm -hmm. I had a, a wonderful supervisor, Dr. Jean Coleman, in my master's program, and she said, you cannot take anyone anywhere you have not gone. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I had to put one I could start there. And so behavior focused approaches. Oh, real easy. Let me just do this, you know, scripted right. <laughs> process. Oh, wait, your child didn't get better. Well, you know, reactive attachment disorder doesn't heal. That's what's out there. That's in the medical community. That's what's out there because the behavioral approaches don't bring about lasting change. But we've got a star. And if you check our website, there's a story about every star out there. It represents a child who lost their rad diagnosis. Oh, I love it that. Heal. It can heal with the right treatment. Right, right. That is so hopeful because it's not something we hear. Like you say, it's not something that we hear. And I think there's that sense of defeatism, especially as a parent, when resources aren't available, or if they are, they're hard to find, or they're not accessible, or they're not, you know, part of that is not being nearby, or you have to dig and dig. And, and often it's, you're so far into the game by the time you even find it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you have this attachment healing center, and this is what you do. Yes, yeah. And what yeah. is your approach? Dr. Coleman, how do you, you've got these stars, you're obviously seeing results and what are you doing because something's working? So what we do 
is um, we come to the parent. Um, we empower the parent. We let the parent know they are the change agent. This is just trauma. Trauma repeats in an effort to find a resolution. It's just looking for healing. So it's good news when your kid curses you out, right? It's good news when your kid gets in your face because that neurological network is firing now. Mm -hmm. And now we get to in positive relationship, right? With a nurturing, caring other, here's a natural experience. And we're going to give our kiddo a corrective experience in that now moment. Ooh, you've got big feelings coming up, right? And I can hear parents right now laughing, right? He gets in my face, I'm gonna say that. I don't think so. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's why we work with the parent, helping them heal their wounding, helping them find their resilient place. I was just because, gonna say that because it triggers everything in you as a parent. Yes. And even when you want to react the right way or the way that's helpful, it's very difficult because all your stuff comes up. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the good news. Hmm. And I like to call out kids gifts. I say, our kids come to say, oh, let me help you with that issue. What issue? What are you talking about? <laughs> right? <laughs> and they, right. they activate it, bring it forward. And yes, now we all get to heal. Wow. And I just loved hearing at the very beginning that you start with the parent, because I think often the parents are the, I don't want to say invisible, ignored, not seen, right? They're, they're, it's all about the child, like you're saying in most modalities and, and therapies and so to just hear that the parent has a place in this and a positive place and a supported community, yes. that just makes me feel so good right yes. from the get-go. So we work with the parent. We have a 12-week parent psychoeducational um, group that we do with parents so that it, it's not so much important that we, the clinician, know the neuroscience, the parent needs to know how the brain changes. Right. We see the kid one, two hours a week. They're mm -hmm. with that kid every day, day in, day out. They're naturally occurring experiences mm -hmm. happening throughout that week. That parent, while that neurological network is, is firing, that parent needs to know how to get in there and reshape it. Bring on new neurological networks, new connections, provide corrective experiences, but the parent gets the healing too. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do families first get connected to you and your program? And then what, what ensues after that? Sometimes uh, CYFD makes the referral. And is that for new families or is that for families that have had their adopted kids for a while or both? Either. Mm -hmm. Either. Okay. Satisfied clients tell their friends, oh, you just need to go to the Attachment Healing Center. We have some judges who refer to us because they've seen positive results with, um, you know, families that come through their courtroom. Yeah, so we have several referral sources. Um, our biggest challenge right now is hiring enough clinicians who are willing to do this deep work. Mm -hmm. uh, this is not for everybody. Right. You really do have to be committed to doing your own healing. Right. Um, because we get the, we have a phrase here, we get the clients we need. <laughs> so, 
sometimes my wounding is going to be mirrored in a client. I go, oh, wait, I got to talk about, I got to take that up with my therapist because mm-hmm. in order for me to help you, I have to first clean my well, go down in my well and address that issue. Um, and then I'll be more empowered, more informed, be able to support and guide you through your process. Um, so not all clinicians want to do that deep, hard, mm-hmm. meaningful work. It's hard. Yeah. So our biggest issue is being able to hire enough clinicians because we always run a, a waiting list. Although what we're working on now is being able to take our model to the next step of becoming evidence-based mm. so that we can then train and certify clinicians around the state and then ensure that they're following the model so that we can help them bring lasting change to families in their communities. That is huge and so needed. I'm glad that you're looking to expand that way. And so do you see people just within the state, families and kids within New Mexico, or do people come to you from all over? How does it work? Is it a a day program? People show up and go back home? Uh, Not yet. Um, I do have requests from South Carolina, North Carolina, and Kansas, <laughs> but we have not stretched out yet. Right. We are right now just serving uh, the Albuquerque community. We're in Albuquerque, Los Lunas, Rio Rancho, uh, Santa Fe, but we do that all out of our Albuquerque. We just have one. Uh, well, our main office is Albuquerque. We do have a branch office in um Los Lunas, at least we have office space in Los Lunas, but we see some clients down in Valencia County. So right now it's just those who can get to us. We have been doing some telehealth because of the pandemic. And so that we have expanded throughout the state for doing uh, trainings, the 12 week, we have people from all, we've had people from other states uh, take the training, the online training. So we may continue that even once we get out of the pandemic and we can meet Uh, back in person, we may still have a virtual component so that those who are in other locations can can join the training. That would be fantastic because it sounds right now like you're trying to expand within the New Mexico area and get more people trained and that's a way to take it take it further. That's fantastic. Families come to you. What happens next? We do an assessment first. Okay. Might start with um, if they're in the office, it might start with both uh, the parent if there's more than one, like grandparent to parent family um, and the child, just to put the child at ease, asking, you know, fun things for the parents. It's what do you want out of treatment? The children usually say, I don't need any help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, but, you know, you, you check on the basics, sleeping, how they get along with friends, school, all that. And then I dismiss the kid. We have what we call an emotional regulation room and we have interns that will be in there with them playing games, noticing, you know, their behaviors, supporting them. And then I ask the parents difficult questions like the history. Um, And so that's the assessment. And then we all come up with a treatment plan together where we're going to start treatment. Usually for high risk, our really severe kiddos, we go into the home. Uh, We don't see them in the office. Now, the reason we go into the home is because for our children who have survived some severe challenges, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, right? Mm-hmm. When they come into the office, we see the good side, we see the charm. Oh, hi. No, no she's lying. I didn't really do that. Sure. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. But when you go into the home, 
they just are. They're comfortable there, as comfortable as they're going to get, right? Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, ooh, their children talking to their parents like that nowadays? And then they don't even realize that you just, they just showed you, right, right who they really are. Exactly. And so then we can go after the behavior. We don't have to put the parent in the middle, right. being the bad guy, mm-hmm. saying, Johnny did this, Susan did that, I'm just tired. I mean, she's lying. That didn't happen. <laughs> no, we get the parent out. We see it. Hey, everybody. As you know, the Rad Talk with Tracy podcast collaborates with an amazing organization, and that organization is Rad Advocates, and they've been really busy. They have a new logo, and they're currently working on a new website that will launch soon. A couple of other exciting announcements are coming soon as well, so if you want to keep up to date on all their news and events, just sign up for their emails on their website, radadvocates.org. And of course, I'm going to tell you to visit the Rad Talk with Tracy website at radtalkwithtracy.com. Check out our resources, listen to past podcast episodes, send me an email with a topic idea or what you'd like to hear on a future show, or even apply to be a guest. We also have a Facebook page and an Instagram page. So make sure to check those out too. So we start treatment. Every session starts with the parents. Now, the reason for that is twofold. A, they're the change agent. I've got to nourish and support them. Mm -hmm. I'll start with, tell me what positive things happened this week. A lot of times they'll look at me like, wait, what? (laughs) Nothing positive happened. Nothing? In this whole week? Nothing? And so I'm priming the parent's brain to begin scanning for what's going well. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is, The brain does not change with a focus on the negative. It changes with a focus on the positive. So I'll start there, priming the the parent's brain. And then after we start with the positive, then I'll say, okay, so whatever issue we're working on, because we have a treatment goal plan and we one thing at a time, because as we heal that one thing, then you gain hopefulness that everything else can heal as well. The one thing we usually start with is the number one thing that really bothers the parent. What's that? Oh my God, Michelle, if we could just get this under control. That's where we start. And so then I'll ask, okay, so tell me about what happened around, let's say it's eating, they're hoarding or they're stealing, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Let's start there. Now the parent gets to regurgitate all the pain they've held on to this week. If it's really severe, we'll see them twice a week. We'll see them more than once a week. Now, the reason we go in for our really severe kiddos more than once a week is we want to catch them when they're doing well. Remember, the brain changes with a focus on the positive. So we give the parent an opportunity to go, blah, and hear them. Mm -hmm. And then with the parent, we determine what the session with the kiddo is going to look like. Okay, so we're going to start, we're going to bring them in now and Uh, When Juan comes in, we're going to start with how well he did around what you identified he did well with this week. And we're going to stay there. That's going to be the bulk of the session. And then we're going to go to the next step in him learning to eat what you prepare. Okay, how's that sound? Am I missing anything? You're good? Okay. All right, well, let's get Juan and bring him in now. And then because the parent knows exactly what we're going to do, they can have a very strong interactive role. Wait, mom, why don't you tell Juan what you saw? 
this week and he did really well. Oh, I was so proud of you. This week you made your bed and came downstairs. You you did such a good job, right? And you go on and on and on, right? Lots of oxytocin, lots of dopamine. Those are chemicals that the brain loves and they enhance setting up a positive relationship. Wow, one, then I'll come in. One, you did such a great job. Oh, I'm so proud of you. How hard was that? A lot of time when they, they first start, the kid's like, wait, I'm not in trouble? What? Mm. <laughs> right? And we have to make it big enough that they take it in. There's safety, big. they take it in. We're going to build on that. Safety. Okay, good. Yes. Safety's number one. Safety's number one. And they have to be safe in relationship with a positive caring other because that's where the wounding took place. Mm-hmm. Our kids didn't get hurt by strangers. They got hurt by their primary caregivers. Right. That's why their attachment is disorganized. I mm-hmm. need you to take care of me, but you're also someone to fear, right? right? We've got that conflict. So you're teaching the nervous system to feel safe, which it yes. hasn't. Yes, exactly, exactly. And then we'll end with, okay, so understand you sat at the table when everyone else came to dinner and came to eat, but you didn't eat. So that's what we're going to work on. What one thing will help you? What do you need? So then we'll work on that, set them up for success, and then come back the next week. If they were able to do two meals and then went back to old behavior, then I'm going to come back on the third day. I need to come back while they're doing well so that we can build on that. Oh my gosh, two days you ate with the family and ate what mom made for you two days. And then we'll focus on that. Mm-hmm. And then it extends and it goes a little bit longer and a little bit longer until they can sustain and we've got new neurological network online. Wow. And what does it look like at the end of that? Kids, parents, I mean, that's a total transformation. Yeah, it is. And so it's really interesting you say that because, you know, at, at the end of that, when you say at the end of that, at the end of that session, the kiddo's feeling good. They got lots of positive chemicals. They're set up for success. And then we just keep going through to the next um, behavior issue we want to address from a brain standpoint. Right. When they have learned, it's okay to let their guard down and let their parent in their whole being begins to transform. We've had social workers, teachers, foster parents, everyone will say, Michelle is just not the same child. And I think it's, you can even see it in their face. I used to say, oh, it seems to be more light coming through their face. But what happens is you talked about it's safety. When our kiddos are feeling safe, they begin to relax in their body. And as they relax, the tension and constant scanning for survival goes away. Right. And they really are not the same child. Right. And I imagine that also happens for the parents. Living through that, the parent also begins, I think, to feel uh, not safe. They don't have, they lose that sense of safety. And, and like you say, they have to do their own work too, because listening to how you're describing the child, I'm listening to, oh, the parent must be feeling that same and going through that same process of letting go and back to safety that they once had and then didn't. And it's coming back for them too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And for a lot of our parents, it's child their own childhood wounding that their kiddo is triggering. Right. And so the, the choice point is, am I going to parent for my wounded child mm-hmm. or am I going to make myself a priority and heal my wounded child so I can parent for my adult? And so we provide individual therapy for the parent as well in support of the child's work oh. right, to help that parent heal. Because right. I know as a parent, if I'm not healing it, it's re- being recreated with my kiddo. It's We're doing that dance true. together. You're doing that dance together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so you offer the home services and you have people come in, you do the individual therapy. I know this is a hard question to answer already, okay. but and be, because rad varies so much from child to child and family to family, what's a typical length of time for the program? Fortunately, we don't have a, a end date because one of the phrases we use is it takes as long as it takes. Oh, I um, love that. <laughs> the, what we see, though, for parents who are willing to be the change agent, do mm-hmm. their personal work, not make it about the child. How do I need to show up differently? What do I need to heal? We start to see lasting change within six months. Wow. Now, here's the issue. Once you start to see change now, both systems, the child and the parent, know, oh, wait, I can bring this forward for you <laughs> mm. right? and it'll get healed. So as we're starting to make progress, trauma that hasn't expressed up till now feels safe enough to come forward. And so you might see more severe behaviors expressed. And we say to the parents, that's good news. Mm-hmm. They're feeling safe enough to show you. Right. Right. And a lot of trauma does not come forward until there is safety. Safety is number one. We'll stay in our defenses. Mm-hmm. Right. We've got a, a family. We've got a kiddo. I met her when she was four years old, 13 years ago. She is now ready to create her star. Wow. And it wasn't that she was stuck. Her adoptive mother was stuck hmm. and kept playing out her wounding with her kiddo. Once, I mean, we kept drilling it and drilling it and drilling. <laughs> Finally, mom had the courage to heal all adult trauma as well as child trauma, childhood trauma. And once she did that, the dance changed. Mm. And now the family is graduating. But then we have some families who've only been here two years and teenagers even. Mm-hmm. You know, we do birth to 18, doesn't matter because we're working with the whole system. Right. right. So we've got teenagers who can shift within a year or two. When the parent is willing to be the change agent, it really depends on how much wounding the parent has to work through. Interesting. It really takes two. And it sounds like that trauma piece, it has to get worse before it gets better. But the getting worse part is actually a positive thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Because now it's not hidden. Now it's not hidden. Yeah. So the parent has to, takes a lot of strength for the parent to go through who wants to, you know, adult or child, very difficult to face your own stuff. Right. Yeah. So, you know, as you highlight, it, it really is on the parent. It really is. And the, because it's on the parent, 
we, starting in April, are going to go back to having a parent support group. We used to have one before the pandemic. Good. Um, but we're going to have a parent support group that's going to be curriculum-driven based on the 12-week curriculum of the psychoeducational group because I, I experienced it myself when uh, we adopted our last kiddo. He was 11-year-old African-American Mexican male. And at 11, only one teacher had the courage to hold him back in school. But when we met him, he couldn't read. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. Brown male in America that can't read? No. Yeah. yeah. So that summer, we went, we had an expanded summer vacation with my family back east. And I sat down, I diagrammed our cycle of trust for everybody. This is why you need to come to me and his dad, because we're working to help him heal. And, and then every morning, my husband is helping him with his reading, right? Teaching him to read. I'm married to an award-winning first grade school teacher right? So he's teaching him to read. In the middle of teaching this 11-year-old who can't read, teaching him to read, my cousin, the matriarch in the family, says, mm, my son's teacher told me I should leave the education to them. Excuse me? They've had six years with my kiddo. He can't read. I don't think I'm leaving it up to the school anymore. Right. Right? Judgment. Right? Everybody's got a, a, right? Everyone knows how to do they're so much better than you. Another cousin takes me for a walk on the beach. You know, you just need to give him a good beating. If you gave him a good beating, it would really straighten him out. That's what we did for the girls before we came. Excuse me? Mm -hmm. That's why he's in custody. He's mm -hmm. got a failed adoption. He had eight homes he moved through. I don't think I'm going to beat my kid. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we need a support group for parents because we don't have support out there in the world. No one knows. That's what we're going through. Yeah, because it is a lot of things and some more than others, but you're right. Nobody knows. And good intentions, right? Everybody has good intentions. You know, they're trying to help and think that that's the way, not recognizing that by the time you're a rad parent and you get to a point, you have tried everything and beyond, you know, and beyond, beyond, beyond. <laughs> I mean, if there's any program or anything, I guarantee we can name them all, you know, and um <laughs> And then, you know, something I felt when you were talking about it's, it really comes down to the parent and them doing that work. That felt heavy to me. Tell me more. Tell me more about right? that. It, it, it felt um, just like, oh, I'm already doing everything. Yes. And now you're telling me I have to do more or mm. it's, it's all on me. I already feel yeah. responsible. Yes. for everything. Yes. Do you find that's a common feeling from your parents? No, but I love how you say that because it makes sense. But here's the reason why we don't, because we become a part of the family. Right. And so for the first time, there's validation. <gasps> oh my God, somebody understands what I'm going through. Right. There's relief, there's hopefulness. They can call us, they can text us, they can, you know, we, we're in it, we're in it with them and right. they know it. I didn't have an Easter weekend. I had a kiddo go into crisis, hmm. right? I'm in his home for four hours on Saturday, right? Two hours, we're in the office doing sand tray on Sunday, right? They know, oh my God, if I'm drowning, I have someone I can reach out to. Right. Who knows the way I just have to hook into them and trust them and do what it is they give me for homework, do what it is they ask me to do. 
Right. And you're making a perfect point because me hearing that just in conversation versus a parent hearing that, but there's support coming at you behind that, that there's work for you, the parent to do, but we're here to help you. You're not doing that alone. That's a different story. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of comfort. Hard. Absolutely hard. Mm -hmm. Hard. And And I say that to parents, right? This might be the hardest thing you've ever done up till now in your life. Yes. And you're not going to do it alone. Yeah. That's the piece that I think, boom, that's the key ingredient right there. Yeah. Yeah. Alluding to what you, the therapists and um, people working with these families experience kind of that level of burnout um, and maybe Mm -hmm. transition, you know, it's, it's work some people can do and, and some can't, what do you do for yourself, Dr. Coleman? And what do you suggest? You know, we don't have to talk about this piece on the show, but you know, it's often suggestions for parents, which I'd love to get some insight from you on, but from a therapist perspective or somebody interested in going into this work, uh, what do you do to, to care for yourself? Well, we have like quarterly self-care trainings <laughs> to like bring all the, the science, you know, there's exercise, there's water, there's sleep, all the things that you can do. However, here at the Attachment Healing Center, we practice heart math. Heart and math. I am a heart math. I am yes. a certified heart math trainer. I, I do trainings and heart math out in the community. So it is a model of awareness, if you will, for being able to go to my heart, to breathe, to get uh, mind, body, spirit, and mentally in alignment so that I can stay grounded, I can stay resourced. We bring heart math to every one of our, each week, each of the 12 weeks training um, support group. We start with heart math, end with heart math. So it's like building our emotional regulation muscle. Gotcha. Which we need with our kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm resourced, my well fills full, right? From that full place, I can serve my kiddo and my family. If I'm empty, no one's going to get served. Right. So those are, those are some of the things that we do. And self-care is huge for the team. Um, every fifth Friday, any month that has a fifth Friday, this is before the pandemic, we, um, we do something fun. Like in Albuquerque, we have main event, right? So we might go to main event. We might go bowling at Silver Lanes. Might go to cliffs. Like, you know, we, we would Hinkle Family Fun Center, right? Got to have some fun. Got to right. connect. Get some yes. laughter in there, right? Yeah. Um, so we're really looking forward to coming out of the, in the pandemic, we've done Fifth Friday at Sleep In. <laughs> oh, well, that works too. <laughs> that works too. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be good to get out there, team build and do do some fun stuff. So, and I interrupted you a bit, but go back to your parent support group. Yes. Talk a little yeah. more about that. Yeah, so we're looking at um, bringing that back online uh, with a virtual, come, we'll start virtually because parents need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're hearing it. So especially not being able to be out in community, they need to be able to to come to people and go blah yeah. and have someone support them, have someone hear them, someone who gets it, someone who's not going to judge them. Right. Right. For what they're going through. Um, so it'll start virtually, but then we will transition to both because I'm, I'm sure once we come out of the pandemic, everybody won't come back all at once. Right. And then we also get to serve our expanded 
uh, community. So, yes, yeah, so we haven't kicked it off yet. I don't even have a date yet, but it will be um, highlighted on our website when we do. And like I said, it will be curriculum driven. Right. Um, so each month, so we have 12 weeks for the psychoed group. Uh, for a parent group, it'll be 12 months. So each month will be a different yes. neurological neuroscience focus. Um, where are you struggling? What, what helped? What didn't help? What do you need? What's in the way? And, you know, so you get to really slow it down. Right. And from those who understand what you're going through, yeah. be able to receive support. Absolutely. Now, can people from all over attend that? Because it's online. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Okay. But you might go live. Right. So right now we used to have that you had to go through the um, 12 week psychoed group first um, when we were live uh, because we noticed that those because people were on different planes mm -hmm. uh, okay. and so that helped we have not stated that requirement yet I don't I haven't talked to the co-leaders to see if they want that to be a requirement it makes sense if it is a requirement but the 12 weeks is available to anybody who can get online nice. um, and even when we come back live we'll still have an online component Great. I love Just because that. I'm, I love how we're able to reach communities where people can't travel. Yeah. To get right? here quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in our state. Very, very rural. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So, and exactly. I think the pandemic has been a blessing in that sense, because it's really allowed people to see how much you can do just online yes. and how many people yes. you can affect and, and reach. Yes. So you have your attachment center and you've got these, you've got obviously your, your treatment and support for families and children with reactive attachment disorder and attachment issues. And then you've got these parent support groups, which fantastic. They're available to anybody. You're also, you've written an article and, and you're writing a book. What's yeah. tell us about that. So um, the article, yeah, is in the Science of Psychotherapy. I'm the featured um, article this month. Ooh, Congratulations. So <laughs> and so I, for, and that will be a chapter in the book. So it's called uh, Cycle of Trust. And it is the foundation. It's from Keck and Kupeki. They were the first trainers that um, as an adoptive parent of my daughters, you know, I'm going to therapy uh, with my kiddos and I'm left in the lobby. They take my kids like an hour later, they come out. Okay. See you next week. Like, how do I help them? Mm -hmm. Oh, this coming week, if something goes wrong, what do I do? What came up? What are you working on? Right. right? So I had that experience. And, and so I was like, okay, this isn't working. I need help. I need help. I need help. Mm -hmm. And one of the workshops I went to were by the office of uh, parenting the hurt child. Right. And it was like, I was sitting there. I was like, Oh, this makes so much sense. You read it, right? Mm -hmm. And so I took that relief and I built on it. Once I learned the neuroscience, I built on, okay, this is how we bring about change. And so that's what I write about in the article, how we can respond differently to what I call our children's miscues. Those are those behaviors that are like in your face, defiant, even charming and manipulative. Mm. Those are miscues also. How do we allow the miscue to guide us to what the real need is that our kiddo is communicating? Because our children can't say, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I'm lonely. Can you just hold me? Our kids can't do that. Mm -hmm. 
but they ask for those very same needs in all of these roundabout convoluted ways. Oh, yeah. So the article is about being able to not feed the miscue, but see it as, come here, I need help here, so that the parent can move in close and be able, baby in the crib crying, right? We don't yell at the baby, stop crying, right? right? It's the middle right. of the night, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go, I hear you, I see you, right. I'm here with you. It's okay, yeah. It's and an that's invitation. How learn to trust us. Yes, yeah. yes, our kids, I like that. Our kids' miscues are an invitation for the parent to come in close and nurture them, yes. Yeah, so that's the article. It'll be um, a chapter in the book. Um, the book, once again, is based on the 12 weeks so that parents can, oh, what did she say about, oh, wait, I got that book, let me go look it up, right? Schemas and how does that work? And, right? Yeah, so that's, I've told, I'd already written the book, was already working with a publisher and something shifted this year in the pandemic. I was like, no, that's not the approach I want to take. Interesting. And I'm totally rewriting it. Are you? Yeah. So do you have a, a, a publish when it'll be available date or where, where is it at right now? I do not have a publishable when it'll be available date. Uh, I am working. I did email just yesterday, Dr. Dan Siegel's organization, because uh, he was willing to do a forward for me. When I originally asked him, it was going to be three months. I had to wait three months before I could get in this queue. So that will determine, you know, that'll add time right. uh, to when it's ready. Um, I have to finish it. I can email you when, um, when it starts going to production and, or I can email yeah. you with updates too. I would love that. Yes, I would love that. Okay. And I know we don't have okay. much time, Dr. Coleman, but I always ask my guests for any insight, words of wisdom, and it can be for a parent. It can just be general. Is there anything you'd like to share or you think would be very poignant to, to share or helpful? So the very first thing I'd want to say is thank you. Thank you for your willingness to be that person that brings something different to our children. Our children are hurting and they need that. And like most of us, our children don't look at their parents who were wounded and blame their parents. They blame themselves. So when you are willing to step into the gap and say, I will love on you, I will take you in, I will work and do whatever I need to do to help you heal and help you see the magnificent being that you are. That takes so much courage. Thank you. And I realize you didn't know how hard this job was going to be, probably when you first started out, but you're doing all you can to hang in there. And I just want to honor that. I want to honor that commitment, that love, and that desire to serve. Thank you. Well, thank you. That's beautiful. And as a parent, just hearing those words gave me a complete sense of calm. So thank you. And thank you so much for the work that you are doing and have been doing for so long and keep going to help uh, families like mine 
and uh, families of children with RAD, children with RAD. It's big work. It's important work and there's not enough out there. So thank you for being one of the one of the people that are, and thank you for sharing about what you do to everyone listening today. And I know that they can find you uh, on the on your website, and that's uh, attachmenthealingcenter.com. Attachmenthealingcenter.com. You can learn more about Dr. Coleman. You can learn more about their services and the work they do and access it that way. And as always, I'll post it on my Facebook page and my website so that everybody can locate that if if you need um, to find it there. And I just wanna thank you, Tracy, for reaching out and serving families in this way. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, it has been more than a pleasure talking with you today and, and thank you so, so much. Thank you. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you like the show, please subscribe and help me spread the word by clicking share and like. If you're a parent who needs more support, whether it's for you or your family, please check out my website at radtalkwithtracy.com and visit radadvocates.org.